Hi, and welcome to the Ask My Mom podcast, a podcast for young adults about all the things we didn't learn in school. Here to share her knowledge with our generation is my mom, Jen Exer, and accredited financial counselor, Jennifer. If you learned something on today's episode or simply enjoy the pod, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to it. To get in touch with us, you can submit your questions via email to askmymompod at gmail.com. You can also like and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at askmymompod. We greatly appreciate all your support. Hi, everybody. Welcome to today's episode of Ask My Mom podcast. So today we're going to talk about the different types of mortgages. The episode we did on comparing pre-approvals and pre-qualifications was one of our most popular episodes. So I thought we would just take it a little bit further and go into the types of different mortgages that there are out there. And so hopefully we can help somebody along the way get a good mortgage. All right. Well, let's talk mortgages. Tell me about it. <laughs> well, what's a mortgage? <laughs> well, a mortgage is a loan that you get from a bank or a lending institution to purchase a home. So they just call it a mortgage, different term, but it's a loan. And there's a variety of different kind that you may qualify for. Um, some of it depends on your income or maybe if you were in the military. So we're going to just talk about the basic four most common mortgages that are out there. How many mortgages or types of mortgages are there that we're not discussing? Like, is this like four out of 10 or four out of like 200? This is really the four basic ones. And I'm going to briefly at the end discuss some to avoid. Okay. So I don't know how many there are out there. You're making me say that I don't know something on the podcast when I should know everything. Nobody knows everything. (laughs) But at the end, we're going to talk about some that we should avoid, um, like some that might get you in some financial trouble or might be potentially a scam. Okay. But but basically, there's four basic types of mortgages. Um, What are the four types? So we're going to talk about conventional mortgages. Okay. We're going to talk about FHA, which is the Federal Housing Administration. Okay. We're going to talk about VA loans. So those are from through the Veterans Administration. And we're going to talk about USDA loans. Because you don't actually have to be a farmer to get a USDA mortgage. What does USDA stand for? United States Department of Agriculture. I guess I should have said that. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> what does being a farmer have to do with, a lo- with like getting a mortgage? <laughs> yeah. Do you want to just start with this one since we're already talking no. about it? I'm going to start okay. with conventional because that is the one most people hear about, I think. Okay. So what do you, what do you know about a conventional mortgage? I don't really know anything about any type of mortgage um at all you don't i know that like the va loan i know because dad is a veteran and he just like i know that because you guys you have used those to buy houses so i know that va loans houses have to be able to pass more inspections to buy but you don't have to have zero down i know that fha loans you have to have less down then on a conventional, I'm going to assume the farmer's one gives you a break if it's farmland. And that's about, that's all I know about mortgages. Okay. Well, that's a lot. That's a lot. Considering you never, you never tried to get one for the most part. That's untrue. Well, I'm- I mean, you, you, <laughs> you went and you got pre, pre-approved. I got you, pre-approved. But you haven't taken those other steps into finding out what type of mortgage you would get. 
No, no, no. I did. Oh, you did? Tell yes. me. Yes. I'm, I'm pre-approved for an FHA loan because the economy's in like a weird place right now. So interest rates on houses are really low. Yeah. It's definitely in a weird place, but yeah, interest yeah, rates right I guess now. It's, I don't know if the economy's bad. It's just not how it normally is. And whatever the reasoning, it has made interest rates lower. Yeah. So yeah, definitely interest rates are fantastic right now. So let's start with conventional. So a conventional loan is not backed by the government. And you'll find that the other three that we're going to talk about are. So this one okay. does normally require a down payment. So when I was growing up, I always heard that you have to have 20% down to get a mortgage. I have hear that, that also from, I feel like, everyone. Yeah. So that's and I... 20% for a house is a lot of money to have yeah. down. Yeah. So if that's a $150,000 house, it's $30,000. Woo. So most of us don't have that in our bank account. It's just you sitting there. Right. You got savings. that right. So, you know, 20% down is a lot. Now, you can get a conventional loan with less money down. So you don't have to qualify necessarily for one of the other government-backed loans. You can still get a conventional loan for as little as 3% down. What decides how much you have to have down? Well, you'll work with your mortgage company or your bank on that or your credit union. Credit unions do mortgages too. So is it up say. to what you can afford and what you have or is it like a credit-based thing? Like T-Mobile changes your down payment depending on your credit yeah. when you buy a phone. Is it this kind of the same? So you might, you may still qualify for a conventional with less down. They are going to look at your credit. What they're also going to do is if you do not have 20% down, they're going to charge you what's called private mortgage insurance. Okay. What's that? Private mortgage insurance. You're basically paying insurance that ensures you are going to not default on this loan because the risk when you're putting less than 20% down there's a lot more risk for the lender. Okay. You don't have as big of a stake in the house. Got it. Right. Because you didn't put 20% down. So you didn't buy a $150,000 house and only borrowed $120,000. You didn't have that $30,000 to put at risk. So because they are still saying, okay, we'll loan you this money, you're just going to pay private mortgage insurance. So private mortgage insurance costs between 0.5 and 1% of the cost of the home each year. Okay. So if you took your $150,000 house and you multiplied it by the 1%, that's $125 a month that you're going to pay in addition to your principal interest insurance and taxes, your PITI, P-I-T-I, principal interest taxes and insurance. So when you see paperwork which says PITI, that's what that is. Oh, got it. And you pay it up until the LTV or loan to value equals 78 to 80% of the value of the home. So you pay it for quite a few years, like quite a few. That's like a lot. Yeah. 10-ish. Like 80% of your loan. Yeah. So, but that's just because you didn't have that 20% to put down. Got it. So yeah, up until you only owe still 80% of the value of the home, basically. 
Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I understood it the other way around. I thought you meant until you paid for 80% of the home. No, until you paid for 20% because you got didn't it, have all it, that money it. put down. Okay. I yeah. was thinking when you said 10 years, I was like, I don't think that math is right, but I was just going to go with it. Yeah. But well, now it, does, it makes sense. Yeah. Got it. Now the house after 10 years is going to pro- most likely be worth more than 150. So you can get them to come do an appraisal to see if the value went up to see if you've hit that number before. Oh, okay. you know, it, it, you kind of really may have, but a lot of people don't do that, but you can hot tip, hot tip. Yeah. And you have, but you have to work with your mortgage company for that as well. Cause sometimes there's loopholes that cover them instead of you. But if you're someone, this is a good time to get that in your loan documents. If now that you're aware of it. Yeah. And also, some mortgages may have an early payoff penalty. Don't like that. That means if you so if you pay it off early, there's a penalty. Well, yeah, you may have to pay all of the unpaid interest. That was is normally your penalty. Okay, but give or take, read the fine print. Within this conventional loan or conventional mortgage, there's different types of mortgages so kind of like different mortgage plans that's not the technical okay. term but that's kind of how i think of it so you can get a fixed rate or a variable rate mortgage this is a lot of detail so a fixed rate mortgage is the easy one that's you have you pay for it for 15 or 30 years and your interest rate is always the same for the life of the loan so if you get okay. a three percent interest rate today and i pay for it for 30 years i always have three percent Okay. Okay. So variable rates or adjustable rates are exactly that. The interest rate can vary throughout the life of the loan. So what would cause your loan rate to vary? So if you chose a variable rate or an adjustable rate mortgage loan, that's called an ARM. Have you heard of that? No. Okay. So ARM, adjustable rate mortgage. Um, there's different Ooh. kinds you can get. So you can get like a, a 5.5 or a 10.1 or a 7.1 or a 5.1. I don't know what any of that means. <laughs> so that means, so if it was a 10.1, that means for the first 10 years, your interest rate remains the same. Okay. And then after that, the interest rate can change, read the fine print, but routinely yearly after that. Wow. So that's a gamble, right? So it may be a good thing. That's a a huge gamble. So right now, interest rates are really low. So would a arm be a good idea right now if you were taking the chance that interest rates are going to drop again in 10 years or are they more likely to go up in 10 years? Um, I would not do that right now. If I got a good interest rate right now, I would want it. I would want it for the life of my loan. Yeah. So it's a risk. Right. Um, some people, times people do it because they know they're going to be selling the house before that time's up. But you also want to be careful on those of that early payoff penalty. Sometimes there's penalties even if you refinance out of the arm. So you Got want it. to make sure you know what you're signing. Five five would be it's the same for five years, and then it can only be adjusted every five years. I mean, I like that one more. I think it's still not ideal. But I like that more than the 10 and one and then it changing every year because that yeah. seems like it, it could go really bad. If, you're, yeah. if your neighborhood gets really popular every year, I imagine your interest rate would just go up and up and up. 
Well, your value would go up if it was popular, but your interest rate's going to go up with the prevailing rates of that time. So like- Oh, true. That's, I guess you're right. The price would change more than the interest rate. Interest like a year ago, mortgages were pretty, they were starting to decline slightly, but they were way more interest rates. So now that they've dropped, this is a great time to refinance. And I just read the other day that Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac are going to add additional fees on to refinances because they're not making as much money because interest rates are so low. So if you're going to refinance, get it done, I think, before middle of September, maybe. Oh, okay. But do it quick if you're going to refinance. Breaking news. Yeah. So then there's some less common loans under that conventional loan. And one that I would caution people to be very leery of are balloon payment loans. Okay. So these types of mortgages, they come kind of along with an arm-ish. And they were part of that big housing bust. You don't remember it because you were little, but in 2008 when the housing market kind of imploded on itself. I do remember this. Do you remember? It's when we were we first moved to California. So we bought our house at the bottom of the market. It was fantastic. Um, but it didn't work out so well for a lot of other people. Um, also, this is when in the Real Housewives of Orange County, what's her name? They got evicted from their home because they couldn't make their payments. And this was 2008. Okay. So, I see, you are. Joe, Joe, right now. No, it was the one with the bracelets, right? Or was that a different Lynn, Lynn yeah. Curtin. Yeah. I thought it was because it they is. Couldn't, couldn't pay their rent. No, that was a mortgage. It was a mortgage. And that was why it was like one of the wives, her child actually answers the door. And there's a man there with like papers to serve them a foreclosure or whatever from the bank to let them know that they have missed way too many payments, which is a lot of money to miss. But it's like this crazy mansion, which obviously if everything goes bad, it can affect everyone. But Mm -hmm. it's crazy because you're seeing them like spending, spending, spending party, 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 and then the housing market crashes, and then there's like a weird time, and then, yeah. So that is what I know about the housing market crash. Well, there you go. So that's what was happening. So a big part of that were the balloon payment loans. So okay. the, so not all of them, but the abbreviated version of the explanation is um, a lot of them were interest-only loans for the initial few years. And then the balloon came due after five or seven years where the um, entire balance of the loan is due in addition to the unpaid interest. At once? At once. Oh, that's insane. What? Yeah. So a lot of like investors will do something like that or, you know, people like taking that gamble, like the housing market was doing great. So they thought they could just sell it before the balloon was due and make a bunch of money and move on but then the housing market crashed and people could not afford those balloons because the housing values dropped and they weren't able to sell and then as much as they bought it for right or to make or in at all yeah oh my gosh so yeah so that's pretty risky like i at any given time but i'm not a risk taker like that so i would never do that because I, think I get that. I get that from you. I mean, I guess maybe if I, if no, I lied. If what I did for a living was real estate and like owning commercial properties and if like that was what I did, I think you take more of those risks. Me as myself for a home I plan to live in, 
and not make an income off of, but just something that costs money for me. Yeah. I could not take that risk. Yeah. And that, that's, a, I think a if of, it's your business, it's different. Yeah. And a lot of house flippers do that. They buy those super, super expensive houses so that they only have to pay the interest while they're fixing it. And then they can sell it, make that balloon payment and a profit because okay, they're not that. putting a bunch out for the mortgage payment. But that's, that's still kind of risky. And a lot of them that's, got in trouble yeah. during that time as well. So I, but I feel do like that idea. Pretty risky. That's- I wouldn't recommend it to someone just regular person buying a house. But of course, yet again, it's your money. You can do whatever you want with it. And it's your risk to take. It's not mine. I would just yeah. be very cautious. Yeah. I guess maybe if you're someone who knows you're going to be coming into a lot of money in a couple of years, but you don't quite have that much money now, maybe that's just, that works. I don't know. Yeah. And it's still a risk. So, so that's the gist on conventional. So conventional, not backed by the government. The, okay. So that's why normally you would need 20% down, but you can do less, but you pay PMI. That's the gist. PMI is 0.5 to 1% of the cost of the home calculated annually paid monthly. Okay. So next we have FHA loans. So the federal housing administration. So this is the one you were talking about first time home buyers. Yes. First time home buyer falls under the federal housing administration or HUD as well. The housing of urban development, whatever. All that's kind of the same thing. So backed by the government. So that is why you can get a zero down. So if you read up on FHA loans or first-time home buyers, you're going to see that they usually routinely require 3.5% down, but I know that you can do a zero down first-time home buyers loan as well. Okay. They're the most popular loans. There are certain income qualifications to meet, um, and you don't actually have to be a first-time home buyer to get a first-time home buyer's loan, you just cannot have purchased a home in the last five years. Oh, okay, cool. So you can I do not, it multiple I not times. That. You have to move into the home. You have to occupy the home. You can't use a first-time home buyer's loan and then live somewhere else. You can't use it to purchase investment property. You have to actually occupy the home. What if it's like a duplex or like a double shotgun and you live in half of it and the other half is an income property? You can do that. You can do that with a first-time homebuyer's loan. You think you can buy up to four units. You just oh. have to occupy one of them. Not a bad idea. Might have to think about that. Yeah. But much like the conventional, you also are going to pay mortgage insurance. Okay. So you're going to pay an upfront fee of 1.75%. And that's going to roll into your mortgage though. So if you bought that same $150,000 home, they're going to tack on 1.75%. And then you're going to pay also monthly. And that's usually about 0.85% of your mortgage. So you're paying that upfront. I didn't do the math on this one. Um, So $150,000 thousand times 1.75. Yeah, 2625. So they're going to tack on. So if the 150,000 now you're paying 152625 for the house cuz the federal or the yeah, the federal housing administration's taking their chunk. And then on top of that uh, like about $106. $106. Yeah. So that's going to get tacked on. So $106 will get tacked on to your mortgage payment every month. So that's above and beyond your pity, your principal interest, taxes, and insurance. 
Okay. So you're still, you're paying a little bit extra, but that money that you pay helps fund the program as well as covers that that. 20% that you didn't pay yourself. Um, Much like the conventional, you, you pay up to the LTV, the loan to value, same 20% and then it'll fall off. Um, first time home buyers though, you can get a grant. So lots of states, counties, parishes will give grant money to first time home buyers to help them cover a down payment and or closing costs. So you want to Google your parish or your county. And then usually there's a program and then it gives you the stipulations of the program. So some places the stipulation is income. Some of it is you have to purchase in a specific city. Um, things like that. So Google your county or your parish to see if there's any first-time homebuyer grants available for you. There's also... You know, I had never heard of that until you told me. I've never heard of anyone else doing that. I never, I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah, it's, you have to... It's not necessarily poverty level, but there's income maximums. So it's, what is it? It's the same way for the first-time homebuyer. I think if you make like over six figures, I know for the first-time homebuyers, that's that. Yeah, you have to make under a certain amount. So I imagine it's probably just similar. Yeah, and the grants are for not necessarily low income, but maybe even like lower middle class income. or like So it's yeah. really good for like a single parent with like a couple kids because it goes, your income goes on your the number of people in your family too. Or even if you're a two-parent household, but only one of you works. So um, look into that and see if you qualify for any in your area. Um, they also offer a reverse mortgage and you have to be over 62 for that. So we really won't even get into reverse mortgages, but there's also a section 245 program, which is a graduated payment program. So this falls under the FHA loans. A graduated payment means your monthly payment is starts out lower and it increases over time Uh as your income is expected to increase. It's kind of like your student loans. I was going to say my student loans had an option that was also like this. I did not select it because I thought, well, what if my pay doesn't increase the way that I would like it to? And then my payment will have to be bigger and I will not make more money. Yeah. But so I just is, went kind of middle of the road through the whole thing. Yeah. yeah. So that's an option though for some people, especially people in like those types of fields where you really like – um like a medical field where, you know, when you start out as a doctor, you're ma- not making a ton of money, right? Things yeah, like that. I think a lot of fields, or I'm thinking even like, I mean, I guess in any field, if you stick with anything, yeah, or you usually make more money the longer that you do something. Yeah, or military folks, you know, if you stick to it, you're going to make more money. Or even like trade school things, I think are the same way. The more experience you have in what you do, usually the more you yeah. make. You, you Until up. you're in your 50s. We learned that on the pod. Yeah. So FHA loans are a really great option um, when you're starting out and want to buy your own home. And a home, like where we live, it's much cheaper to purchase than to rent. That's not the case everywhere, but here it definitely is. So Got it. Speaking of military folk, then next we have the VA loan. So, so I don't think we need to go super, super in-depth on the VA loan because it's not as useful for all of our listeners, but I would like to kind of... Maybe we touch on it and then we do like a full episode on VA benefits and things like that. Well, it's not going to be super long because it's basically the, it has a lot of similarities to the FHA loan. It's all, it's, um, 
to qualify, you have to be a veteran or the surviving spouse of a veteran to qualify. But there's a lot of veterans out there. So um, this applies. So even even if you've only done four years in the military, you're going to qualify for a VA loan. You don't have to retire from the military to use it. You can use it in while you're in. You can use it after the fact. And it's backed by the VA. So you're not actually getting the loan from the VA. You're still going to a bank or mortgage company. The VA is just backing your loan. And what they're actually backing is that 20% that you didn't have for a down payment because the VA Do you offers, pay mortgage insurance on that? No, you do not pay mortgage insurance. That's a vet, one of the benefits of being a veteran. Okay. But you are going to have a funding fee. So your funding fee can range between 1.4% and 3.6% depending on if it's your first use or your subsequent use and if you're also using a down payment. But if you have a 20% down payment and you qualify for a VA loan, it may not be your best option. You may be better off getting a conventional loan because your interest rate may be less and you won't have a funding fee. So that's something to talk about with your mortgage company if you do have a down payment. But it's a really great option if you don't. And for service members you know, who move around every couple years, you don't really always have that down payment because you're buying and selling houses a lot when you're in the military. Left um, and right. Yeah. And a veteran who's 100% disabled does not have a funding fee at all. So that's another benefit. So another type of VA loan, though, is um, the NADL, which is the Native American Direct Loan. And this one is actually, the, the VA is the lender on this one. To qualify, you or your spouse must be a Native American. And the home you're purchasing or the land or whatever must be on federal trust land. But there, um, there's a funding fee for this as well. But it's, it's very small. It's much less than the regular VA loan. There are also ARM options available. So adjustable rate mortgages under the VA loan program. And then we come to USDA, also backed by the government. It's also called a Section 502 Guaranteed Loan Program. So mortgages obtained through a bank or a lending institution as well. Zero down loans available. For this one, your income cannot exceed 115% of the median household income of your county or parish. So you got to Google that. What's your median income? And then it's 105%. So the USDA I'm website, okay. The USDA website has all that information on there. So what is it? USDA.gov, I believe. And for this one, you also must occupy the home as well as the VA loan. I failed to t say that. The VA loan, you have to occupy the home as well. You so have the to only one you don't have to is a conventional loan. Yeah. And with the VA, you have to occupy it for at least one year, but they let you move out because obviously you're in the military, you're going to move. You can have more than one VA loan at a time. They just can't exceed the maximum dollar value. And that is on the VA website as I would go there. So when you're out shopping for a mortgage, most people, and you may not even know it, most people have a mortgage that is backed by the government in some way. Because a lot of people so if the So if the government qualify. falls, what happens to all these mortgages? Well, we just keep paying our mortgage. It's not like they paid for your house and you're paying the government back. You're still paying your lending institution. Got it. So those are all the good loans. What about loans that you want me to be cautious of? Okay, so loans to be cautious of are subprime mortgages. Subprime mortgages are offered to people with very, very low credit scores. Okay. The interest rate is going to be much, much higher than regular loans. I've, 
And I, you know, I was going to look up what the average interest rate is right now. I, I didn't do that today, but I think it's like right around three ish percent. This yeah, loan that's would what they told me would have like an eight or nine percent. Okay, but it's because you have low credit, so either you don't have any credit history or you have bad credit history, and they're just yeah. taking a bigger risk. Yeah, because you your credit score is low, so they your credit worthiness is not there, so they're going to charge you a much much higher interest rate. And so, this, would you say? Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. So would you say this type of loan, if this is all you qualify for, maybe just keep renting for a little while? If this is all you qualify for, I would listen to our credit podcasts, the one on- And then rent for a couple months and circle back to buying a house in a year. Circle back, yeah. I would listen to the fixing your credit and repairing your credit and working on that and get your finances in order. This type of loan was also a huge part of that- 2008 bubble got it restrictions were way way looser before 2008 and they were trying to just basically give mortgages away you were just paying with it with your high interest rate now it's much much harder to get a mortgage um but that was a big part of it another one to be cautious of is a seller finance or rent to own this can be really risky for you the buyer because the seller finance or rent to own means that that owner that's selling to you most likely still has a mortgage on that home. So you're paying them and they're paying the mortgage company. Some mortgages will not allow this to happen. So they may be doing something against the agreement they have. But other than that, the really risky part for you buying a home as a rent to own or a seller finance is if you pay that owner and they fail to pay the bank, the bank can come repossess that house and you have no leg to stand on. Ooh. You don't so have this any is protection. Not, not great. I would not do a seller finance or a rent to own. And normally unless it's like, unless it's a very, a, a trusted family member that you're buying it from maybe. Even I know people who have done it in that way where they're like buying their house from their aunt. So they just pay their aunt until eventually they can go get the loan themselves. Yeah. And sometimes like in that case, maybe the house was paid off and, but you see it, you know, sometimes when you're out shopping for a mortgage that seller financing and things like that, I would be extremely cautious, especially in this day and age where scams are so prevalent. Oh Yeah. I would be very, very careful with this one. Um, And also, they will normally ask for a pretty large down payment. So maybe you have the down payment, but you don't have the credit score to back it. Then I would revisit yet again our credit score episode, get that credit in order, and go to a legitimate lender. Got it. And another one, I think this is the last one that I would be cautious of, is a private or a hard money loan. These are loans from private investors or companies. Okay. The down payment is going to depend on the terms of the loan. The average interest rate for these types of loan are 18%. So you're gone normally for this type of loan when you don't have a good credit score as well. The 18% they, is a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. That's a credit card interest rate, you know? That's a ton. Yeah. And they're not really- That's so much. And the lender's not really looking at you. They're looking at the asset. So they're looking at what the house is worth to determine if they're going to loan it to you because they're investing because that's their asset if you fail to pay that loan. And with an interest rate of 18%, you probably will fail, right? So it's kind of a scam. 
people who use these type of loans are normally investors looking for that quick flip. Oh, okay, okay. You know, so there's a time and a place. But this is not this like is a, not the house for, you're going to live in. Plan. Yeah, this is not your first your first home or your forever home even. This is yeah. not the house you're going to buy to live in for the next, you know, 10, 20, 30 years. The investors usually, because the mortgages are much easier to get, le- less paperwork, but they're not really hanging onto that house for a long time. And that with and that at that eight percent, because it's investor money, not bank money, that investors make an eighteen percent rate of return on their on their money. Ooh. So that's who does those kind of loans. I wouldn't jump into that market, even if you're trying to flip and it's your first time. I don't know. I would do a lot of research before I I did that, even as an investor, if it's your first first time, you know, dipping into that pool. So those are the basics of what a mortgage is, what your options are. So okay. I don't think it's too um, difficult to understand. I think there's a lot of options. I think when you go to get a mortgage, you have to find someone you trust to work with you. You can go to a bank, your credit union. There's mortgage brokers out there. There's um, you know other kind of say, lending I- institutions. When I was thinking about buying a house, I talked to you and we use a mortgage broker. Yeah, I like my mortgage broker very much. I trust her very much to get us the right deal. And what kind of what she does is she gathers all of our information and she kind of like shops us out to the products that she has. And then she lets the lenders come to her and say, yeah, this is what interest rate I'll give these people. This is the, you know, and they kind of bid for our business. Versus me just going to the credit union that we bank at and getting the loan straight from them where our interest rate may be higher. And it also saves me time shopping around on my own because I don't want to do that. It's very time consuming. Right. So and I think it's I one those, if, it's someone you, if it's someone you trust, it's definitely something that's easier to pass off. I think similar to when people go to Disney World, we never did this because we didn't have money like that. People hire a Disney planner. And in my head, I was like, girl, that's a lot to go to Disney. I just want a a churro. I don't even care what ride I I want to go on. It's a small world and the Pirates of the Caribbean ride and I want a churro. And pretty much everything else is bonus. I'm just happy to be in Disney. Yeah. She was like, you got to have it. You just, you'd never get to do anything without it. So I think a mortgage broker is kind of the same thing. If you have someone who knows the system and knows what to check into and what to do, you know that you have someone on your, like, doing it for you. You can just pass it off. Doing it by yourself would be stressful. Just like I imagine trying to plan a Disney trip would be stressful. Yeah. But there's nothing wrong with going to your bank or mortgage. Like if you have a really good relationship with them, absolutely nothing wrong with that. You know, you got to do what's most comfortable for you. Some people aren't comfortable letting a mortgage broker do the legwork. I think you have to take also the time probably before you can effectively shop a mortgage though. You have to be willing to invest some time in learning the lingo and all the do's and don'ts and really getting into the nitty gritty of it. Cause it's yeah. something I think you're going to, you're going to pay on this a lot longer than you're going to pay on a car. It's a lot more money. Mm-hmm. And there's, I think a lot more kind of rules yeah. to it. It seems like, so yeah. I feel like you need to be a little more knowledgeable about this than maybe just going to buy a car. Yeah. You gotta just do your research and do what's most comfortable for you. Communicate the entire time with your mortgage company. There's a lot of scams out there. One of them, I'll just do this briefly and then we'll wrap it up. A mortgage scam that's currently happening 
is for closing costs. Um, what's happening is you, you know, you have your date for closing people, hackers get into your email and they look for the email addresses of, for you and your mortgage company. And then they'll send you an email posing as your insurance company and give you wire instructions on where to send your down payment and your closing oh, costs. No! And so you think it's from your mortgage company. And so you wire this money and then you go to the closing and they're like, okay, where's the money for the down payment and the closing costs? Well, I just wired it. Uh, we didn't tell you to wire any money. So, okay. This is hot tip. Never wire anyone money unless you're like on physically on the phone with them wiring it and you know what it's for. Okay. There's, I just think there's a lot of scams like that. So that's pretty much mortgages in a nutshell. And Noelle's giving me the wrap it up sign. So we will wrap it up. So thank you so much for listening to our mortgage episode. We'll talk Bye. to you next week. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Ask My Mom podcast. You can get in touch with us on Facebook at Ask My Mom Pod. You can email any questions to askmymompod at gmail.com. And of course, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you are listening to this. Thank you.